hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. We've been uh, in the Old Testament, uh, the OT, the OG is what I like to call it sometimes. Um, And and we've been looking at these prophecies uh, that were telling of the forthcoming of the Messiah, of Jesus Christ. And we're going to continue in that tonight. Um, and I'm going to give a message on, on Micah, uh, specifically Micah chapter 5, and look at this prophecy that's in there. But before we do, I wanted to give you kind of a, a game plan and a roadmap uh, to where we're headed tonight. Um, and the reason is, there's a, there's a lot of things in Micah that I really wanted to talk about, um, but time just doesn't permit for us to get into all of them. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a few pit stops on the way to where we're going tonight. So there's going to feel times where it feels like we're moving really fast, and that's because we are. But there's just some stuff I wanted to point out and briefly encourage you with uh, as we get to what the Lord has placed on my heart to share. That sound good? Yeah. How many in here, y'all used to print out your maps? How many of you used to just have the map in the car? Right? I, last Saturday, I was at a friend's house, and he was talking about how he was always amazed. His dad had this old map in the car, and he would break it out, and just he would know exactly where it was going. Like, I never printed out a map in my life, and I praise God for that. Um, <laughs> yeah, not have it on the phone. It's great. Uh, but yeah, that's where we're headed tonight. Let's take a moment and pray, and uh, we'll get into it. Lord Jesus, we, we come before you, um, and we, just, we give you a hallelujah, God. We give you a praise. We, we say thank you, Father, for all the things that you've done. I know we can look back on our life and reflect on, God, the, the miracles we've seen, the, the change that we've experienced, Lord, the, the grace, God, that, is, that has touched us. God, there's never been a moment in our life where you've ever left our side, and, and we thank you for that because that's just who you are, Lord. We acknowledge that, and, and we just declare tonight that you are good. Lord, I pray over our next few moments, I just pray, pray for anybody in this room, God, who, who feels burdened, who feels like they're carrying heavy things, God, who, who feels like um, they're just, they're running out of gas. God, I pray that tonight your Holy Spirit would, would quicken us, your Holy Spirit would, would lighten our loads, God. Pray that you would speak to our hearts, God, that you'd speak to our minds, and, and you would touch us by your grace. God, I pray for myself as I know I, I can't do this without you, Lord, and I won't try, but God, I, I pray that, that, Lord, you would speak through me tonight, that when the words fill me, it would be you that speaks, and God, that you would move in a mighty and a powerful way. And we ask this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's dive in. So Micah chapter 5, um, it's going to be on the screen for you, <clears throat> coming from the ESV version. Um, and, and this is the prophecy in Micah that we're going to look at. Chapter 5, verse 2. It says, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, you are too little to be among the clans of Judah. For you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And he shall be their peace. He shall be their peace. So that's the, the, the portion of the prophecy that we're going to dive into tonight. Um, and I want to point a few things out to you, all right? So strap in, get ready. We're going to move kind of quick. The first is the term in there in verse 2 that says, whose days comes from old. 
And if you were to take some time and really deep dive into that statement, it would take you back to multiple verses in the Old Testament, and you'd eventually come to the conclusion that God made this promise. It's called the Davidic promise, where the Messiah was going to come from the line of David. And we see that Jesus comes through and fulfills that promise. And and there's there's a hint of it here in Micah. But what I want to point out with that, real briefly, is that God is a promise keeper. He is a promise keeper. And I have that in the form of a reality statement for you, that God always keeps his promises, just so you could just get your eyes on that statement. He always keeps his promises. He does. That's who he is. That's who he is. So I wanted to encourage you tonight. If, if there is something you've been praying about, if there's some scripture in the Bible that you've been trying to take hold of or, or something you see in scripture that you're trying to um, experience and you want God to bless you with, man, keep praying. Like, keep praying. Don't stop. Be encouraged that God always keeps his promises. One of my old basketball coaches, Coach Jones, always used to say, God's never late and he's never early, right? He is always right on time. And so God will fulfill his promise according to his will, according to his purpose, and according to his timing, right? But keep praying. Keep pushing forward. God's got some wonderful things in store for you. He's got some wonderful things in store. Another thing I wanted to point out is the the prophecy of Micah it's referenced in the book of Matthew, and it's referenced in Matthew by the chief priests and religious leaders of the day, by some scribes. And if you were to put those two things side by side, what the religious leaders said and what Micah said, you'd notice that there's some differences. One opinion of scholars is that the author of Matthew did this on purpose. He was trying to make some points about some stuff that we don't really have to get into tonight. But there's another interesting concept that scholars think happened here. If you study the book of Matthew, you see that the author is kind of hinting that, that the religious leaders of that day, they either didn't know how to use the Bible or they chose to use it incorrectly. And, and when you see this in Micah, you can see another glimpse and another hint of it, that, that the religious leaders of the day, what they tended to do was take God's scripture and try to shape it and mold it to their tradition instead of allowing the scripture to shape and mold their own lives. There's a huge example of this in Matthew chapter 15 that I'm going to read for you. Um, And Jesus, he calls those exact people out on this. Jesus says, and in chapter 15, verse 3, Jesus says, why do you, by your tradition, violate the direct commandments of God? For instance, God says, honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say, it is all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you. For I have vowed to give to God what I, what, I, what I would have given to you. In this way, you say they don't need to honor their parents. And so you cancel the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You cancel the word of God. That just sounds awful, right? I mean, that just sounds terrible. You cancel the word of God. We can see here that, that they were taking the scripture, taking these Old Testament things and, and trying to, to form it to their own lifestyle, the way they wanted to live into their own tradition. We can see that they had their priorities mixed up, right? But Jesus, he, he says, if you do that, if, if you don't put the Scripture in the proper place, if you play around with Scripture, you end up dishonoring God. And that's what they were doing here. I want to show you another reality statement, that the Word of God will never lead you to dishonor God. The Word of God will never lead you to dishonor God. We are called to live lives that honor God, called to live lives that glorify Him. And the scripture is what helps us to do that, right? Because every word, it's God-breathed, it's useful. 
The Bible says that the word is a, a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. The word of God will lead us the way that we should go. It will never lead us to dishonor God. So, my friends, we have to prioritize the Bible, have to prioritize spending time with it, listening to it, um, just, just meditating on it. Like, let the word of God shape you and mold you so that you don't stumble and dishonor God with the way you live your life. Another thing here that I want to mention, um, which I think, is, I think this is really, really cool, and I almost did the whole sermon on this, but I want to talk about briefly what the words Bethlehem Ephrathah mean, because it's, it's incredible. Bethlehem, it means the house of bread. That's what the word means, which that's a fitting place for the bread of life to come from, right? It's a fitting place for the bread of life to come from. Ephrathah, it means fruitfulness or abundance, which that'll take you to verses like John 15, 5, right? Where Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branch. Those who remain in me and I in them will bear much fruit, will be fruitful. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Or John 10, 10, Jesus says, I came to give life and give it abundantly, right? Like, I think this is so cool. And, and it's, a, it's a huge, like, red flag that God puts in our way that without the God-man that was born in Bethlehem, Ephrathah, we would have a fruitless life. We would have a scarce life. But no, he is, he is life. He is abundant life. Our fruitfulness, if we want to live lives of fruitfulness, it's found in him. It's found in him. There's one more. Y'all still with me? One more quick thing I want to mention. <clears throat> and it's, it's, it's John Piper's summary of the prophecy of Micah. All right. Anybody ever used Cliff Notes before? Yeah? Okay. Glad to know I'm not the only one who procrastinated in high school. <laughs> Uh, this is John Piper's Cliff Note summary of the prophecy of Micah. He says that Micah is talking about the global majesty of Jesus, bringing security and peace for the glory of God. The global majesty of Jesus, bringing security and peace for the glory of God. That's such a wonderful, wonderful thing, especially in our world today. Our world today, when we find ourselves, and there's a lot of distress, there's a lot of chaos, there's a lot of thing going on. But we have peace in Jesus. We have security in Jesus. We have comfort in Jesus, and that's what Micah was talking about here. And I want us to keep that in mind as, as we park the car and, and get into what our main point is tonight. And our main point is this. Micah's prophecy is a message of hope. Micah's prophecy is a message of hope, and he gives this message in a time of, of darkness. You see, in, in Micah's time, it was all jacked up. It was all messed up. Scholars who have studied it, they call that time a time of political, social, moral, and religious corruption. It was so bad that the religious leaders of the day, they were profiting off of God's people. They were taking advantage of their position. They were put in a position to take care of these people, to lead them and guide them. And they take advantage of that, and they dishonor God, and they mislead these people. I want to show you in Micah chapter 3, um, how Micah describes what's going on. He says, listen to me, you leaders of Israel. You hate justice and you twist all that is right. You are building Jerusalem on a foundation of murder and corruption. You rulers make decisions based off of bribes. You priests teach God's law only for a price. You prophets won't even prophesy unless you get paid for it. Yet all of you claim to depend on the Lord. These are the people that were supposed to be leading God's chosen. And there's corruption and there's deceit. And he's taking advantage of these people who some of them were 
genuinely trying to follow after God. You see, this message of Micah really was a light in the darkness. It was a message of hope. It was a message of peace. It was a message of encouragement. My friends, that's what I want to give you tonight. I want to give you this tonight. I want to talk about this prophecy about this man, Jesus, that, that walked the earth. And he was from a place that was called fruitful, abundant. He was the bread of life. Jesus Christ was the son of God, the son of the living God, the light of the world. He was the Messiah that came and fulfilled these prophecies and changed everything. Tonight, I want to point you to Jesus. I want to point you to the man that, that Micah prophesied about so long ago, because that is where we find our source of peace, our source of strength, and our source of hope. We're going to focus on Jesus. And, and Micah, he mentions this in, in, in his scripture. He, he says he's going to come and he's going to stand in the strength of the Lord, and he's going to shepherd his flock. He's going to stand in the strength of the Lord, and he's going to shepherd his flock. And I want to turn to, to John chapter 10. And we're going to dive into the words of Jesus himself and get a better glimpse of this. John chapter 10, verse 11, this is what Jesus says. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves. Leaves the sheep and he flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Let me pull a few few things out of here for you and give you some encouragement. When Jesus talks about himself and he talks about himself in a shepherding context, he doesn't just say, I'm just some shepherd, right? He says, no, I'm the good shepherd. And that word good in the original language, it carries with it the meaning to be genuine and to be honorable and to be noble. My friend, those are traits of character. Jesus is describing to us who he is. And I think one thing that he's trying to convey as he talks about him being the good shepherd is that he's a good shepherd and he can be counted on. That when Jesus says it, you can take it to the bank. And when he says he's going to be there, he's going to be there. He's not like the hired hand. See, the hired hand is motivated by money. The hired hand is, 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 is motivated by self-preservation, much like the leaders in Micah's day. They were down to do it if they were going to get paid for it, right? If they were going to get something out of it, they were down. But when the going gets tough, when it came time to step in and do what, what a shepherd needed to do for the sheep, you couldn't count on them. They're motivated by self-preservation. But you see, the good shepherd stands in contrast to that. Because the good shepherd isn't motivated by self-preservation. The good shepherd is motivated by selflessness. The good shepherd is not in it for what he can get for himself, but what he can get for the sheep that he loves. The good shepherd is motivated by love. Jesus Christ is motivated by love, and that love will never fade, and that love will never change. And Romans teaches us that we can never be separated from it. The love of Jesus is something that you can always count on. He's always moved by it. He's always motivated by it. And he is the same yesterday, today. He'll be the same tomorrow. Jesus is motivated by love. And you see this love has implications. This love causes him to do things. This love is the reason why he doesn't leave the sheep when danger comes. You see, the the, the hired hand, the first side of danger, they're bouncing. They're gone because they don't know the sheep. They don't love the sheep. They don't care for the sheep. That's not their sheep. 
They're just there trying to do a job. But when the going gets tough, Jesus' love stands firm. When the danger comes, when the trouble comes, when the hard times come, Jesus stands firm. His love won't let him leave the sheep on their own. His love won't let him abandon the sheep. No, his love goes so deep that it will cause him to lay his life down for the sheep. Jesus is talking about the cross, talking about that this love, that his commitment, that his drive and his motivation will lead him one day to bear the guilt and the shame of the people that he loves. I want to show you the words of Bruce Milne because they're so wonderful. He says, Jesus embodies the goodness and nobility of a love that could not let us go, even to the point of bearing our guilt and all its horrendous implications on Calvary. The nobility of a love that could not let us go, even to the point of bearing our guilt and all its horrendous implications. My friends, there was implications to this love, and they were horrendous. And they were painful and they were costly. But for the joy set before him, he endured those implications. He endured the cross. His motivation never wavered and it never changed. Even when it began to cost him something. Even when it cost him pain. Even when it cost him him popularity. Even when it cost him his life. The love of Jesus would not stop moving forward. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son. Because God loved the world, he sent Jesus. It's motivated by love. It's motivated by love. And, and maybe that's just what you needed to hear tonight. That God is moving towards you and he's motivated by love. That he loves you. That you matter to him. That he sees you and he knows you and he cares for you. And that he works all things together for good. The God of the universe works all things together for good, even the difficult things, even the challenging things, even things like like spiritual discipline, even things like spiritual discipline that's hard and you got to go through it and it hurts and you got to learn. But God's love is behind that. God's love wants you to grow. He wants you to mature. He wants you to become more like Christ. And maybe if you're in that kind of season, I want to remind you that God, God's love is behind that. God's love is behind that, man. Maybe you're here and and God's trying to teach you how to rely on him, trying to teach you how to depend on him, trying to teach you what it means to abide in him. And sometimes that's really difficult and that's really hard. But his love is behind it. His love is behind it. Maybe you find yourself in a season where you're going through something and it's hard and it's challenging and you don't know why and it doesn't make sense. And, And the more you pray about it, the more you read your Bible, the more you try to process it, you just can't get an answer and it's frustrating. That's where I have found myself as of recently in a season like that. But I want to show you where I found God's love. And it's in 1 Corinthians, um, or 2 Corinthians, I apologize, chapter 1. This is what the Word of God says. This is the importance of the Word of God. Remember we said we got to prioritize this? If you don't know this is in here, you can't realize this is what you're going through. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father, the source of all comfort. He comforts us in our trouble so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Man, I have seen God's love so much lately in the words, me too, or the words, I know what that feels like, or the words, I'm here for you. But, but if, I didn't, if I didn't read this scripture, I would have no idea that's God's love. I would call it coincidence, or I would just say somebody's helping me out. But no, the scripture will open up your eyes to see the Lord, to see his love, to see his hand in your life. It's a beautiful thing. I I can see God's love in the things that I go through now. 
Maybe you're here tonight and you're just searching for purpose. You're searching for meaning. You're searching for value. Maybe you used to have that, but you lost it or you feel like you've never experienced before. I want you to know God has a plan for you. And his love is all up in that plan. All up in that plan. Well, friends, we got to take time and ask the Holy Spirit to open up our eyes so we can see God. We can see his grace. We can see his mercy. We can, we can see him in a brother or sister in Christ and the words that they give us. Man, God's love is all over the place if we will open up our eyes. Because we have a heavenly father, man. We have a good shepherd. And he loves us and he'll lead us and guide us and protect us and help us. I think our job is to just learn how to be cool with being sheep. You know what I'm saying? We, we like to be shepherds sometimes. We, we get too caught up in being the shepherd when we got a good shepherd. And we can just be the sheep. Amen. I want to leave, leave you with one last thing. Um, it, it's a portion from a sermon by Charles Spurgeon. And he just explains so well what, what Jesus talks about when he says, those sheep are mine and, and, and I know my sheep. Spurgeon, talking about this, talking about Jesus, says, he prizes them because they are his. Sets a value upon every one of them. He takes care of them, remembering them both night and day. His heart is never off them. And because of his inward love, there is an outward goodness which he constantly extends to them. He protects them from the wolf, guards them from a thousand dangers. He sees to the supply of all of their wants. He guides them in the right way. He brings them back when they wander. He strengthens them when they are weak, and he carries them when they are too feeble to go. He sees that they are a weak flock, a silly flock, a wandering flock. Therefore, he is their strength, their wisdom, their righteousness, their all. That's the good shepherd. That's what we have in Jesus Christ. Let me pray for you. Father God, we, we love you so much, and we just come before you, and we just say thank you. We say thank you, for you are the good shepherd. You laid your life down and picked it up again. You endured the implications of, of loving sinful, broken people. Jesus, you did it all, endured it all. You are our champion. You are our king. You are our, our shepherd. God, I pray that you would give us the grace, you would give us the strength to continue to follow you, to continue to put one foot in front of the other, to trust in your plan, to trust in your guidance, to let you fulfill the role that you want to fill in our lives. God, I pray for everybody in here, Lord, that, that you would help us to grow in grace, that, God, you would help us to, to be content with being sheep. That doesn't mean you're weak. That doesn't mean you're soft. That doesn't mean anything negative. That means you are actually doing the correct thing and following God's plan for your life. God, give us the grace to do that. I pray for anybody in this room, Lord, who, who doesn't know you. God, I pray that your love would reach them. I pray that you would, you would touch somebody's heart this evening. If you're in this room and, and you don't know the story of Jesus, you don't know the gospel or what it means for you, I just want to encourage you to come grab myself or Pastor Greg after this, and we just love to share with you this love that's touched our hearts. God, as we leave this place tonight, I pray that we would go with, with, with an understanding of, of who you are and what you've brought to us. God, that your peace would fill us, that we'd rest in your security, that we'd rest in your grace, and we would go and love the world, Father, like you've loved us. And we ask this in your precious name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.